You're listening to the Girls on the Grid podcast with Tanaya and Priya. Joining me all the way from America today is the incredible Sabra Cook. Sabra, I really appreciate you joining me today and welcome to the Girls on the Grid podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited to chat. We have a fair bit to cover um, from you racing in the W Series and then to now Carrera Carp and of course some of your other endeavours such as your driver coaching and your mechanical engineering. So I'd love to begin with what you're doing currently. So you're racing in Porsche Carrera Cup North America for Team Kelly Moss. So can you tell us a bit about how the season has been so far? Yeah, absolutely. So we had our first race at Sebring and it was my first time uh, ever racing the Career Cup anything anywhere in the world. So um, obviously a, a big undertaking, especially with the, the level of competition that's on the grid this year. So just tried to take in the weekend and, and learn as much as I can. And qualifying had uh, was not my gra- greatest, but um, was able to move up in the races and I finished 14th and then I got a penalty in the second race. So I ended up finishing 16th. And then um, we had our second rounds at Long Beach and I didn't really qualify that much better. I um, need to need to focus on qualifying. Um, but then in the races, I was able to make some good ground up and finish 12th on the first day. And then the second day I was P9, but unfortunately someone lost a tire. And uh, when it came out from the middle of the track, it got hit by another car and it like bounced off the walls because it's street track. So it bounced off the wall and then landed right in front of my car. So I ran it over and it broke the radiator and the front splitter. So unfortunately I, I had to retire to the pits, but, uh, but we're making progress every time we get on track. And I've got, like you said, I'm with Kelly Moss and they are the best, if not like, you know, the best customer team for Porsche and most anywhere, and they do an amazing job. So I've got a lot of great support to be successful this year. And from here, what are the goals for the season? What are you wanting to improve on results wise and as a driver? A big focus is qualifying, uh, especially like well, it's always important, right? But more so in this type of format where it's a sprint race and it's really hard to overtake on some of the tracks that we're going to be on or have been on. Um, specifically, like Long Beach was incredibly hard to overtake. And the way that these cars produce, the way that the arrow is with these cars, it's really hard to get a draft when you're racing. So that makes it even harder to pass. So it's, uh, yeah, qualifying is super critical. Um, so really focusing on improving performance and qualifying, getting used to the peak of the tire. And then as far as in the races, um, if I can start to finish, I know I almost got that top 10 finish. So that's, that's the goal for this next weekend is to finally secure that and then just continue to move up every single time we're on track. And before going to Carrera Cup, uh, you previously did Porsche Sprint Challenge America in 2021. So you also achieved being the only female in the series to get a podium, which is awesome. So how was that for you just learning wise and being in, in that sort of car? So I didn't race the full season. I literally did a one-off race um, at Coda. So I just did the one race, finished on the podium in the one race and that was it. I didn't, I didn't get to do any other of them, but um, it was a good experience The with the one race. At least I kind of like got my feet wet with it. But it was, yeah, it was a lot to learn, I guess, with the, 
the whole rear engine car in uh, in a single race weekend. So it was good. But uh, yeah, let me kind of see how awesome it would be to race full time in the Carrera Cup. We'll go back to the very beginning. Uh, where did your where did it all start for you? Where did your interest in motorsport begin? And do you remember those first moments where you were like, oh, yeah, this is something that I definitely want to do? So I, I guess like I was kind of born into motorsports, not car racing, um, but my dad used to race motocross and supercross professionally. And he and my mom did not want us racing motorcycles because it was more like it's not if you crash, it's when. So uh, my dad got into karting after he'd retired. Of course, he's an adrenaline junkie, so he had to find something else to to play around in. And so then uh, they decided they were going to get us go-karts. And I drove for the first time right before I was eight years old. But I didn't really like... I was excited about it, but I didn't really take it super seriously until I was about 10. And then um, after I won my first Tag USA World Championship in 20, oh gosh, 2007. So then I, after that race, I just remember being like, wow, like this is such an amazing sport. Like this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And you had a very successful karting career. You're an eight-time Colorado state karting champion. And a three-time Tag USA World Champion, just to name a couple of achievements. So, yeah, what were sort of some of those standout moments in your karting career? I would say the the biggest ones is, I mean, it was awesome to to be able to compete in Tag USA several times. And I think I won, I won every year I competed, which was really cool. Um, but then in 2012, I was the first woman to win a Scusa Pro Tour National Championship mm. in the shifter carts. So that was in semi-pro. And then I went on to race in the pro division the next year and podium did my first race. And so like, I guess like those were awesome, awesome moments. And then went on to win the pro shifter national championship uh, in 2016 as well. I finished third in 2015. So had a lot of, a lot of good seat time, especially on a shifter cart in the latter part of my career and got to do really, really fun stuff, race all over the world um, a bit, like with Team USA in Portugal. And then we did the KZ World Cup um, in Italy. And I just remember thinking like how, how awesome it was just to be able to travel and experience different parts of the world just because I was racing a go-kart. And did you think it, all those achievements would ever lead you to the position you're in now being to race at this level? I hoped they would, I guess. Um, and I tend to set pretty high goals. So I was actually hoping to be farther along at this point, but um, racing is an expensive sport and <laughs> that is a big barrier, unfortunately. So, uh, but yeah, I'd always hope that what I was learning in karting and, and those achievements would help propel me forward to success in the car racing world. And then 2017 saw you transition into car racing. So how was that initial first step for you going from go-kart to full-blown proper race car? It was it was a big step, honestly. And I, <laughs> I if I could go back, I would do it differently because I – at the time, you know, it was it was hard enough to get into a season of cars. And so I was like, OK, I can't sell testing because sponsors like you can't be like, yeah, sponsor my testing. Like there's no exposure. So it was like, OK, I got to sell the races. And so I would get in and I'd be like, 
the cheapest team, the, you know, I'm not, I don't have a coach. I'm just going to get in and figure it out on a race weekend. And so it was definitely not the right way to do things. Um, but I got in, I tried, I learned a lot. I failed a lot. And um, thankfully I met, you know, a few really awesome people along the way and started to learn a little bit better way of doing things. But, but yeah, it, it makes it really hard. I think when you make that transition to cars, period, but more so when you don't have access to budget to get, you know, tons of seat time to really, really sink your teeth into every different part of it. Because the way you drive a race car is very, very different than the way you drive a go-kart. What was the first race car that you actually got to drive? It was a Spec Racer Ford. <laughs> they look like... Oh, I don't even know. Like they look like little. Bl- I might have to Google that. It's funny to look at. They're like they, they're like a I guess a single seater, but not really because they have like this big body, and you're sitting in the center. But they're like underneath. They're literally like this chassis is like rectangular. It's not any sort of like sleek at all. It's, yeah. It's uh and it's H pattern. Um, they're not very fast. It kind of looks like a, yeah, it looks like a giant (laughs) go-kart. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, they're, they're definitely, um, they're interesting. I feel like you, you drive them a little bit differently than, than other things, but, um, yeah, that was, that was the first one in, uh, Pennsylvania was where my first race was. Wow. And so to begin with, were open wheeler cars the pathway that you were kind of wanting to take? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in because in the U.S., you know, we're pretty heavily into like the NASCAR route, right? But I was more focused on like the IndyCar side of things. So I, that was that was a goal of mine was to to be able to go into the road Indy and eventually IndyCar. So that uh, that was the path that I chose, and um, I I think it was it's really fun to be able to race um, all different levels and formulas. We'll get into the W Series shortly, but in those years leading up to the W Series, what sort of things did you race? So in 2017, I raced, it's called a Formula Enterprise. It's um, just a tube frame open wheel car. It has wings, but they're not like, not there that much downforce. Um, it's I think it's similar speed to an F4 car, but it's a lot lighter than an F4 car. So the, the F4 has more horsepower but the fe is lighter so they end up being similar times um they have worse tires though and then um i raced uh, a couple usf4 races and a few usf 2000 races in 2018 um and then that was that was it before i got in and raced um oh that's not true i did do uh, one endurance race in a uh, what was it in it was an mx5 um in new jersey so other than that like, i just had had that experience and then i qualified for w series in the beginning of 2019 it seems like america has so much more than australia in terms of those junior categories like even doing my research i just i couldn't understand all the <laughs> all the names of them cuz over here we have probably like we've got formula ford we've got Hyundai Excels, Toyota 86. That's kind of like the real juniors. Yeah. But yeah, in America, it's so different, which is also, it's really cool. There's definitely a lot of opportunity (laughs) over there. Yeah. But yeah, it was awesome that you were a part of the beginning of the W Series. So when did you kind of first hear about it? I heard 
there was like kind of whispers of what W series was trying to do. It wasn't called W series originally. They, I can't even remember the name that it was originally going to go by. And I heard about it in 28, maybe it was late 2017. I think Um, people were kind of talking about it and then it really came to become a thing at the end of 2018 when they asked us to apply um, and submit our applications. So that's kind of initially how I, how I started to hear about it. It was a, it was an idea from who knows where, you know, the gossip in the, in the paddocks and everything. And, oh, there's something that might be coming together. And, and then, uh, I, I officially got contacted in, I think it was like September or October of 2018. When you had initially first heard about it, what were your thoughts on it? Like this, this women only series, it's, (laughs) something completely different initially I was like heck no I am not doing that (laughs) I was like no way and then thankfully I had well my dad was a good a good mentor too but um one of our engineers at the time like he was one of the ones encouraging me to do it and they were like all right just look at it this way like it's an opportunity to go drive a race car for free like maybe we should just look into it. And I was like, okay, I just didn't like the idea of only racing against girls. I like, it's not that I wouldn't, but I, I guess I just want to race against everyone, whoever's the best, whether they're male or female. So I was like, I don't know. I just wasn't sure about it at first. And then we went to the initial evaluations and got to meet a few people from the organization. And then it, it definitely changed my mind. Yeah. And so can you tell us a bit about that initial drafting process you know the tests the fitness the media and all the other different aspects involved in getting through yeah so it was I think it was three days long and we had everything that was you know being analyzed we were split into a bunch of different groups and then we were kind of ranked within our own groups so it was purely like how well you did with inside your group. And then they kind of reference that off of the other groups as well. Like, especially for like the race of champions, we were obviously all just kind of added together, but it would be hard if like one group was doing the, the on track drills that happened to be raining versus the other one that maybe it wasn't raining. So that's, we were more ranked in our groups like the first day. And then so we would do like anything from we had a roll car where it had like shopping cart wheels on the rear tires. We had to do drifting. We had to do like this uh, kick plate. So you like drove through the kick plate and it kicked you. You had to avoid the fountains like you had to like drift around these fountains to avoid the water. And then we had like a singular lap, too. So we would like and it was ice and snow. Right. Because we're in Austria in like the middle of winter. So we would have to run like this lap where we'd have to do it as fast as we can but part of the course was like we do kick plates avoid the fountains then it was like kind of dry ish and then we would have to drift part of this there was like a skid pad circle so we'd have to like make sure we were actually like full-on sliding drifting from like point a to point b and if you weren't like you had a penalty and stuff like that and then we had like a smooth driving evaluation where we had to drive the whole entire racetrack like in one single gear and we drove front wheel drive cars we drove rear wheel drive cars uh we drove we did like a consistency drill and what else did we do we had the race of champions um where we were like head-to-head singular track right where it's like you take the different lane. So you're like looping through together, but you both start in the start finish line. And that was um, 
then what we also had fitness exams um and we also did like a mental assessment they told us the mental assessment wasn't included in part of the decision but um i don't know if i honestly don't know if it was and then we had like these teamwork communication like uh kind of tasks where we were, our group was a team and we had to figure out a way to, you know, there was all kinds of different products and we had to learn how to communicate and manage as a team as best we could um, to, to achieve whatever that challenge was that day. And then we also had to do an interview um, or give like a live, we had to give a live speech um, to the judges uh, in English. So for me, it was easy, but I felt really bad for the other girls that the English was not there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was very comprehensive. Wow. That's all in three days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. And h- how many, um, were there any other American girls that were part of that drafting? Yeah, there was a, oh, there was, gosh, there's so the, the ones I remember. So it was like me, Shay Holbrook, Natalie Decker, Tony Bredinger, um, Hannah Zellers, um, there was another girl, super sweet, does some NASCAR stuff. I can't remember her name. Um, yeah, there was there was like at least six or then there was like seven of us maybe. Cool. And then once chosen for the W Series, you would have obviously had to settle into the team, adjust to the car, um, probably doing a fair bit of media and some other aspects involved. And how was that process for you kind of from initially getting chosen to then making the steps into the series yeah so well I guess like that initial evaluation was just the first part of it so there was actually another one that happened later on in the formula cars and so that was another I can't I think it was another two or three days so we had to do more fitness tests see how they worked with the team and then we actually got evaluated on how fast and consistent we were in the formula three cars and then after that like 12 of us were chosen early on and then the the last six were chosen to fill the 18 spots and then from there we had i gosh it feels like it's been forever ago so i'm trying to remember all the things i think we had a season test uh we had one preseason test and then it was straight to the first race and we also didn't get um like we we had to change cars every time in the first year so it was always getting used to a new car and a new engineer because the engineer stayed with that car so it was yeah it was lots of getting used to things your mechanic was always different your engineer was always different um but and obviously for me because I was an American I didn't know any of the tracks so it was lots of lots of learning and I guess you know W series all about highlighting women's performance in motorsport and giving an opportunity to be able to compete and travel at the highest level. And, um, you know, I think it's attracted, I, I would say, a fair bit of attention to women in motorsport. And in recent times, actually, only last weekend, we had the first round of F1 Academy, which is another all-female series. So would you say the W Series has done what it has been meaning to do? To Do, do you think it's putting motorsport on the right track in terms of inclusivity? I think it brought a lot of attention to the fact that there are women racing drivers out there because I think a lot of people didn't know there were so many of us or they didn't even know that maybe, you know, girls could race. So it definitely brought exposure um, to women in the sport. 
I don't know if it achieved all that it had hoped to achieve. Um, but I mean, we'll, we'll continue to see repercussions of that in the years to come, but I really do feel like it gave something for girls to aim for and to kind of be more excited about to get into at the, at the top levels of formula car racing. Yeah. And so you've done some awesome things over the years. I think the way you carry yourself and brand yourself is awesome. It's very inspiring and I'm sure there's a lot of other young women who really look up to you, but have you ever felt like being in this, being a female in this sport has been a barrier? Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. It still is. Yeah. I wish that it wasn't like, it's, it's a barrier from so many, it can be a, yes, it can be an asset, right? Because it does set you apart. And the biggest thing with sponsorship is you got to make sure you you're different than the next guy down the line asking, you know, for that sponsorship support. So it's awesome in that regard. Uh, but it is also limiting in other ways, like with formula car specifically, you know, it's very physical. So you have to be able to train pretty much harder than the guys in order to achieve the same level of fitness to, to drive the cars. And then with, in regards to sometimes mindsets of people, they, maybe they won't give you as a car that's maybe on the limit as much because they're like, Oh, they don't want you to get hurt. Or they just have this mindset like, Oh, you should, you should use the lower setting in the car because you're, you know, we're worried about you, like stuff like that. So it's like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, it's, it's changing. And I, and I don't think those people necessarily always mean it to come across as like patronizing. I, I think it's just default, right? Like that's just how it's been for yeah, so long. We're stuck in that way. Yeah. So it, it definitely, the stigmas are, are still there, unfortunately. Yep. I, I totally agree. I guess as a whole, how was y- your experience in the W series? Cause you did 2019 and 2021. Was that right? Yeah, we did. So I did I every year except for last year, 2020, I don't really count because we were doing sim racing and not all of us even raced yeah. all the races. So, um, but yeah, I did. So I did 2019 and 2021. Yeah, it must have been amazing, you know, being able to travel and see the world uh, all while doing what you love as well. So what were some of your favorite moments? Oh gosh. I think the last race in 2021 was, uh, because it was at Coda and the first time I drove out on track as, and that year I was the only American. So I just remember driving out on the track the very first time and just seeing like all of the fans and the, just the fact that they fought, they saw the American flag on the, on the rear wing of my car and, um, just you could literally hear them on the warm-up lap because we were going slow enough that they they would be screaming and you're just like wow this is this is really cool like to race in my home country like in this situation and even though my 2021 season was was not enjoyable it was horrible because of the injury um I still like really loved that I could take such a special moment um from from that season and then so yeah going back to that year tell us a bit about um, the injury and, and what, what happened there? Cause that was a fairly big moment. Yeah. So <laughs> in the first race in 2021, uh, Red Bull ring, uh, in June, I got hit going into turn one lap one, uh, in, in, uh, the uphill right-hander and 
it, unfortunately it well just it damaged my car quite a lot so i had to pit um and i had to repair the front um but it ended up tearing my labrum in my right hip and my femur was no longer sitting correctly in my hip joint so basically when they did the surgery they had to take off bone off the inside of the the hip as well as off the ball of the femur. And then I herniated L5 and compressed L1, L2 and had all the spinal canal narrowing. Yeah. And then that caused like SI joint dysfunction. So it was, uh, it was a bummer. I didn't realize like what I'd done at first. I just knew like it was painful in the car when I was going through the race. Cause I went back out in the same race and I was like, I had so much pain in my hip that I had to do quick lifts off the throttle in the straights. And I, because I was like, wow, this is a really bad muscle cramp. And uh, I just, I'd never had that sort of injury before. So I didn't know what it was. Um, and then after the race, I, I couldn't walk on my right leg for like an hour and a half. And so I just like told myself, oh, it's, it'll be better tomorrow. Like, and then it was still like painful, obviously the next day. And like, I, Still, like I was like, oh, I just got to keep moving on it, and I I didn't realize what what I had injured, so um, it was kind of a, a bummer. And just thankfully, we had physios that um, W Series had on full time that were able to help me manage that throughout the season. Yeah. So yeah, what was that kind of that recovery like? How long was it before you could actually get back in the in the race car? So I continued to do the whole season on the injury because I didn't know I needed surgery. I didn't go to my doctors until I went back to um, the States in September or August or September of 2021. And so then they started the really long process and the way with insurance in the US, it sometimes takes a minute to like, you can only get one MRI approved at a time. So they did the, my back first because I was having a lot of back pain. Um, and then eventually they did the hip and then eventually they had to do another one because they realized they needed to do an injection to see where the tears were. So it was a whole thing. Basically, they didn't really, they started doing spinal injections um, in the later part of 2021 because they didn't think I need, I didn't need back surgery, thankfully. I just needed PT and, and injections for that. But then they realized I needed hip surgery in the beginning of 2022. So it was quite a drug out process. And then I finally had surgery in March of 2022 and wasn't cleared to drive again until uh, end of September of 2022. Um, but I actually still had to, I still had to go to PT like, a few times a week and um, eventually wean that down um, to once. And then I just now got discharged from my physical therapy uh, two weeks ago. So oh, it's, it takes it, it took a, it took a long time and it still is. I still have to obviously keep up with my physical therapy exercises like on my own and just make sure that I'm still strengthening it and supporting it and in the way that it needs. But yeah, I'm much, I'm much better now. Good. Very glad to hear. And then obviously after W Series, you've kind of made the step into it out of open wheelers into enclosed race cars, I guess. I don't really know what the opposite is for that, but um, <laughs> yeah, that fair adjustment for you. So yeah, how'd you, how'd you find that? Uh, it was, I mean, it was a big change. I'd done a couple like one-off races here and there in GT style cars but um, actually doing a full season in one, this was obviously the first year and 
the 991 um, is such a different sort of vehicle because obviously it's rear engine. So it's uh, learning how to, to utilize that. And uh, with the ABS and like the electric power steering, like all of that is just, it's just very different than to the open wheel. So getting used to it has, uh, it's definitely a, a still a, a work in progress, but it is a, a very fun car to drive. And a bit of a cool little connection here. Um, I myself working in Porsche Garrick Cup Australia. My dad, grandfather, they're both former champions in the Australian Category 2. I just absolutely love Porsches. I just That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they're my favourite race car. Yeah, but they, they should have put you in the driver's seat. How come, how come you I, didn't get I know, it? I know, I know, I know. Why <laughs> not? Unfortunately, the, the budget isn't quite there and I haven't really done go-karting or anything else, but it would be nice. But yeah, for yourself, what's been your favorite uh, race car so far? Oh, my favorite race car. Uh, I would probably say I got to drive literally, I don't know, maybe it was seven laps in a Formula Atlantic one time. And that was that was pretty spectacular um, just because it was the first car that I'd driven that had like tunnels um and ground effects so i was like wow this is insane absolutely insane what this car can do amazing and you've also been able to drive on some pretty incredible tracks around the world which would be your favorite i would have to say um spa and brands hatch gp circuit are probably my two favorites um we're gonna race at laguna seca later this year so i'm i'm actually really excited because i've never raced on it before so that uh, i'm looking forward to that as well yeah, how exciting. And I'd love to know if the opportunity were to arise for you, would you come and try a hand at some racing over here in Australia? Oh, 100%. I will race pretty much anything, anytime, anywhere. <laughs> what about things like Bathurst? Have you ever thought about maybe coming over, doing a one-off event or, or racing there? What do you reckon? Oh, absolutely. If the opportunity was there, I would 100% do it. I hear there's lots of kangaroos there, like on, like on by the track, that there's a bunch of kangaroos by the track. It's usually during the race, like during our big, we have a big one there every year, the Bathurst 1000, like it'll be stopped at one point because of wildlife. We nice. get, um, I think it was a couple years ago, we had an echidna, which is like a little Australian, I don't even know how to describe it. It's basically a... I feel like I know what you're talking about, but I can't picture it. A little spiky thing. <laughs> anyway. Oh, like a hedgehog or like a... Yeah, like a yeah porcupine kind of thing. They're called echidnas over here. But um, mm -hmm. we had one on the track and it stopped the race because we had to get it off the road. So, yeah, a lot of wildlife. Um, but it's an awesome track and it it's very much like just Australian. It's just an iconic Australian track. There's wildlife. There's, yeah. It's really cool. You'll definitely have to come and do it one day for oh, sure. Oh, I would love to. Yeah. And then a little bit of what you do outside of racing. You're a very experienced driver coach. Um, we'll get into the mechanical engineering side shortly as well. So, um, yeah, tell us a little bit what you do with your coaching and how often you do it and the sort of drivers that you're working with. So I've been coaching, I started coaching when I was probably 15 years old um, in karting. And so just kept that up, obviously, throughout my career. And I think coaching is a, a great 
thing for drivers to, to continuously do because it makes you have to be more self-reflective. And I feel like it also reminds you of like, you know, small, like the basics, right? That when you're coaching someone else, you're like, oh yeah, I need to make sure I'm paying attention to this too. Cause you, you, t- you, sometimes you forget, like you need to bring yourself back to the basics. And, um, so I will coach karting cars, um, pretty much anything in that, in that realm. I will coach usually anywhere from, I've had as young as four all the way up to, I think, what's my old, I think 72 was my oldest. So pretty much just all across the board, like people that want to be aspiring professionals or people that are just out there to have fun. It just, it really depends. Um, I'll just, I'll coach, I've coached for Mercedes AMG Academy for Skip Barber, um, as well as for Monticello Motor Club. And then uh, I'll do lots of my own like independent coaching. And I was actually just um, coaching at the National Kart Race in Houston this last weekend. So I just, just got back from that. That sounds really fun. And and not only that, you're also a very passionate mechanical engineer, bit of background. You've graduated from the Colorado School of Mines in 2017 uh, with a Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering. And you've also done some great things, including being an Infinity Engineering Academy global finalist. Is that right? Uh, so it was a global winner. So there's like, yeah, there's seven global regions. And so each has a winner every year. Ah, cool, cool. And yeah, you've gone on to do some amazing things with this, including a little bit of work with the Renault Formula One team. So yeah, tell me all about it. What are your goals with this going forward? Uh, I guess right now I am, I'm definitely more focused on the racing side of things, but I, I was just always one of those kids that actually liked school and enjoyed, you know, math and science. So it made sense um, to go into engineering and we have, uh, I was super lucky because in Colorado, I don't know how it is in Australia, but like in-state and out-of-state tuition is like a big difference here in the U.S. So like in-state is a lot cheaper. So we have the top public university for engineering in the state of Colorado. So I was like, yep, going there. So I decided to go there, got my bachelor's, um, and then applied for the Infinity Engineering Academy and was able to win the U.S. region at the end of 2018. And then that secured me the spot to go work with Infinity and with Renault F1 in 2019. So I actually moved to the U.K. and lived there in Milton Keynes and Bicester and um, got to experience a very different, uh, I guess, like culture. And I really, really loved it. And it lined up well with with me running W Series. So I was actually based in Europe at the time, which was nice for jet lag purposes. Right. And uh, I was going to go again full time with W Series in 2020. And as much as I love engineering, it's uh, I was like, I can't keep working full time in F1 and race like it's just it's too much. So I decided to move back to the U.S. And um, after that, I went and worked for uh, Formula Mazda um, as a design engineer, just like briefly uh, with their new car that just got launched uh, last year. 
And then uh, last year, I also worked for Peretta Autosport and uh, Ed Carpenter Racing and IndyCar as a performance engineer. So just a little bit of of everything, I guess, in between all of the racing and all that. But uh, I try to kind of keep my engineering um, tendencies tucked under the rug, you know, when I'm focused on on being a racing driver because they're very, very different mindsets. Oh, yeah. But I guess you know, it's always something you could go back to later on as well. Yeah, So exactly. Yeah, it's really good to have that, yeah, there. And then I guess with your with your racing and, and your coaching and then occasionally your mechanical engineering, um, I'd love to know what does an average day look like for you? What would, <laughs> the, what would a day in the life of Sabre Cook entail? <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean, I guess I could just like use today as an example. So like today I – Woke up um, about 6 a.m. and then I'm at Pit Fit by 7 a.m. Training starts and then I'll come back. And uh, usually I have to do some sort of like social media or whatever that is. So get that out and then uh, eat breakfast, (laughs) which is important. And then I will, um, I jumped on the sim uh, and then I had a meeting and then um, scarfed some lunch very quickly um, and then back on the sim. And then now I'm talking to you. (laughs) So interviews, media. And then um, I, Thankfully, I don't. I think one of my last meetings got rescheduled, so I think after this, um, I can just do some work on the computer, maybe a little bit more sim, and then um, I'm actually going to start packing for Miami this weekend. So that's that's kind of like a normal-ish day, I guess. So it's mostly like workout, sim, media meetings, sponsors, and whatever else happens to come up. So what sort of things do you enjoy doing the most fitness wise, um, preparing to, to be race fit? You mentioned going on a simulator and going to the gym, you know, what, what do you enjoy the most out of that? Uh, I, I really like physical activity. So for me going to the gym first thing in the morning is something like I really enjoy doing. And I mean, I, I love the simulator. Sometimes I get incredibly frustrated with it, but, <laughs> but it is really fun and the fact that you can drive any car on any track almost um all sat in the comfort of my office is pretty cool so i think that's that's a pretty neat part and um as much as i i'm actually naturally introverted so like i don't know like back in the day i like i'd always used to dread like interviews and all that stuff because i'm like okay i gotta talk but now i just try to see it as like a a fun break in my day where I get to talk to somebody who I, I didn't know before. So I'm, yeah. I'm starting to enjoy other parts of, of my day, but yeah, always, always the driving and the training are definitely my favorite. Great. And I guess from here, what are your goals for your motorsport career, whether that's in your racing or your engineering, where, where do you want to take it? Well, I mean, with the racing, like IndyCar was always the dream. Um, I just don't know if that's how realistic that is um, with the funding that is required to get there, but you, you never know, you never know. And, but now I think it, there's tons of really amazing opportunities in like the IMSA paddock and the WEC paddock to, to have a really long career with manufacturers. So I think that is a, a great place to be and to, to look forward to. And then as far as my engineering goes, I, I guess like I've put it a bit on hold, um, but in the long run, 
I would love to go back and, and probably work in IndyCar, maybe Formula One. I don't know if I want to go back and live in the UK where there's no sunshine that much. Yeah. But, um, but it, you know, I don't know. There there could be so many things that I end up doing with the engineering degree and outside of the motorsports. Like I'm actually like pretty interested in alternative energy sources and how to, you know, save the, save the planet kind of thing. So, uh, I, I think maybe at some point I would like to be a part of that sector at some point and just see how I can help. So there's, yeah, lots of different things in the future, but ultimately right now I just, just focus on the next race. That's amazing. That's really cool. And is there anyone that you look up to or anyone who's inspired you in your career? I would definitely say that my dad was a was a big role model for me. Obviously, he he'd raced himself um, in, on the motocross and supercross stuff. So, having his input and at least he has the perspective of a racer has been vital for for my racing career. But um, as far as like drivers, um, I would say I I like different pieces from different drivers but overall like once I heard about Jim Clark's story I I just felt like I connected with his personality more and really like just was impressed with how he was able to win at almost every everything he did so I would say probably him yeah awesome and what would your advice be to aspiring racers engineers or anyone wanting to be involved in motorsport put yourself in the place where the opportunities are. I think a lot of people are like, how do I get into racing? How do I do this? Whether that's from a driving or an engineering standpoint. And the thing is, is if you're, if you want to be a, I don't know, if you want to be a, a basketball player or a doctor, like where, where do they go? They go try to talk to people in the industry and they go sign up for opportunities in that industry. So it's, it's exactly the same in motorsports. You have to show up to the events, be a part of industry, like whether that's PRI or going to a race and like introducing yourself to people in the industry. So I think that's, that's an easy way for people to start to get into it. And then Biggest uh, uh, one-liner advice, I guess, is trust the process. That's that's That'll get you pretty far in pretty much anything in life, I think. Love it. Awesome. Well, Sabra, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat to me. We've got a lot of viewers who have been eager to hear from you. So, yeah, fantastic to, to go over all that you've achieved and really looking forward to seeing how you go in the future. So, yeah, thanks again and all the best going forward. Thank you so much for having me. You've just listened to another Network R production.